Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Senior International Reporter Loretta Race from Kentucky. What's up, y'all? Loretta, I like your cat paintings. Are those new? They are new, and they are, I'm told, lit. they are so lit they are litty litty kitties Ah, that's gonna be the name of our new spinoff podcast where we talk about butt swimming the swim 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 presents litty kitty the not swimming podcast All right. Well, it was, it was, it's been a slower news week, but we still have a lot, surprisingly, a lot of topics to discuss. College swimming is now in full swing, highlighted last week by Leon Marchand's number 200 IM of all time, 4663. Uh, he, he threw down some good times in Tempe as they got their season kicked off at Arizona State. How much does 100 IM? tell you about things to come for the rest of the season we know the 100 im is not an ncaa event i know that's what i was gonna say (laughs) fast swimming is fast swimming to me uh and this was stupid fast uh it sure did mean a lot when uh, shane casas went 46-3 or whatever it was that worked out pretty well for him he finished the year with i think three ncaa titles he did that he did that his junior year right um Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think it means he's fast. He's ready to go. He, he told us um, that he was taking a little break after worlds, which is why he didn't go to euros, but that doesn't seem to have hindered the start of his new season um, much at all. You know, the, the new faces training in Tempe don't seem to have intimidated him. It seems like all of the things that possibly could have derailed Leon Marchand's march to the top of the swimming world have not happened. Um, and that's what it tells me. So I would look for multiple records to go down this year. Hmm. But it's also after he did a hundred of each stroke, right? So it's not like he just dove in and this was like his one event that he swam during that particular day. So I think that's ultra impressive that it was also after, you know, it was at the end of whatever it was an hour, hour and a half long stint of swimming. Um, but it also just says the talent that is Marshawn because he's, near world record in the 400 long course IM and then he spits out the number 200 IM in yards so it's like the full spectrum of swimming and so for me it tells me more about just him and his talent just rather than what this particular event predicts as good as Hugo was in that 400 IM last year that record still feels a little bit soft to me it feels like Mm -hmm. Leon is gonna come in and just annihilate it this year (laughs) especially after uh, hit, hit his 137, 200 IM, right? Like no one expected that, but that was like, Oh, and then to, to talk to Bob Bowman a few weeks or a month ago and have him be like, yeah, Leon knows what he did wrong in that race. So he'll, he'll be better this year. <laughs> Which is the most Bob Bowman thing to say ever about anything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah so multiple records, I could see it, uh, but it's, it's pretty scary to see that speed that quick in the season. Um, on the other side of the country, we had Maggie McNeil throwing down two new LSU records in a 51, 100 back and a 4,700 freestyle in a freaking dual meet. 
It's just so yeah. crazy. The um, you said the fact. When's that article dropping? <laughs> Seriously. So I want you guys to look into your crystal balls and tell me in the hunter fly at NCAA's, uh, can Maggie regain her throne with Kate Douglas, Claire Curzan, Tori Husk, and anyone else who will be crazy enough to swim that event, uh, chasing Maggie for that crown? I'm going to hedge a little bit because I think one of two things is going to happen at Stanford. It's either Tori and Claire are going to push each other to their limits every day, and it's going to be wonderful training relationship, and they're both going to go like 48 fives, or it's going to be too small of a pond for that many big fish, um, and it's going to crash and burn, and they're both going to go 49 mids. I wish I could crash and burn and go 49 mids. <laughs> Um, we just crash and burn. We don't. <laughs> so uh, that's why we're on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you know that's God. And then you talk about Kate Douglas, like college swimming's um, hottest swimmer, the most momentum of anybody in the country. We forget about just how you know video game good she was last year. It's that's going to be a great race. I if I had to put a significant amount of money on it i would probably take the field against maggie but i think it's going to take 48 to be top three i really do think that three will get into the 48s this year Ooh, because the american record is it's 49-0 right right Still, Kate got Kate the american Douglas. record yeah. yeah so so you're talking american record if it's an american that swims it is gonna have to get 48 high you're saying yeah, I mean Maggie's <laughs> Maggie's NCAA record is forty-eight eight. Well, do we know what else she might swim though? I mean, that also comes in. I mean, they're all going to be swimming multiple events. Yeah. You I know, wonder and Pete will drop the hundred fly. I wonder. I bet she because that comes into play. Obviously, you know, yeah. you want to say yeah, they're all going to go forty-eight eight, but this is I don't know when's a hundred fly in NCAA's. I don't know what day does it fall in, and what have they already swum? And... Three. Okay. Yeah. But that you're with Kate, especially you're kind of also thinking like, what does Virginia need her to swim? Mm -hmm. I know Todd is big on like what excites you, but it's like, if she's their only score in the hundred fly. Yeah. But do we think, I mean, do we really think it's going to be that close to where that two or three point swing is, is how they're going to make that decision? Um, Stanford. Stanford. Uh, it's too early, right? Stanford, it's too early. With, <laughs> Stanford with Reagan, maybe, but Stanford without Reagan yeah. to me. I it's they, it's they'd it's have to really level possibility. Up. I just they'd have to really it. level up. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, Loretta, Maggie or the field. <sighs> oh my gosh. Okay. To me, that's such an I mean, to me, it's so obvious that you take the field. Right. Why though? I mean, because but why? the other three are also so good. But then, why would you put the balance in their favor? I mean, because it's three versus one. <laughs> it's Maggie, right? We're yeah. saying okay. We're saying she's going to break like eight LSU records or whatever we said it the previous podcast, and she's yeah. you know pull them okay, into so like a top a eight finish at CC. Here's the thought: Maggie might not have relays to swim. Mm. You know, she might be the Brooks Curry of LSU twenty twenty three, where she doesn't have relays to deal with, and she's much fresher than everybody else. Gets to start her meet a day later. 
will be her second swim of the day instead of her whatever third. So in that case, I'm taking Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good point. Yeah, it's just like the field, you have three women who are all kind of in the last year, their stars are rising, right? And in the last year was the worst year of Maggie's career in the last three years, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's fair to say. Uh, Because she had been like going up and up and up and then she finally came down a little. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities at all for her to come back up but the momentum is not currently in her favor. <sighs> Michigan was a mess last year. And I think, I think we have like to it. acknowledge that. It seemed like it. We don't know why, but yeah, things did not why. seem good. <laughs> um, God, when you look through this field, Emma Sticklin is who is rising, rising, rising at Texas. Kylie mm-hmm. Aylin's on a fifth year from NC State, Gabby Alviero go, going into her junior year, Olivia Bray, part of that Texas group, Ellen Walsh, if she comes back. Like, this is a stupid oh, field. yeah. We don't know what she's doing yet, right? Somebody somebody that, like, has Olympic final potential will wind up in the B final. That's scary. That's, That's how wow. good this field is going to be if everybody swims it. Maybe maybe right. Stanford moves Claire to the 100, just the 100 back and doesn't have her swim the 100 fly. Uh, I feel like Stanford yeah. and you know, you know, Virginia, like swim what you feel. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like sometimes Stanford takes the polar opposite approach where they almost make event choices based on like comfort, not excitement. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I feel like if I was, if if I was Stanford, I would put Claire and Hunter fly and Hunter back. Yeah. Would you drop Tori from Hunter fly? Ever do 50 free two IM double? No, 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 no. That seems like a terrible double. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, no, I'd have her. I might have her do 400 IM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she Brooklyn could. Podcast throwback. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on from college swimming, uh, well, kind of. Our very own David Clossy came up with his own decathlon after seeing the Texas men swim their little 50s one. He took it a step <laughs> up. He said the real swimming decathlon should be four 50s of each stroke, four 200s of each stroke, plus the 200 IM, plus the 1,000 freestyle. <laughs> Uh, which I think anyone would love seeing a college team do this as like an inner squad or anything like that. I'm curious outside of like an inner squad format, do you think that this event would have legs for spectators? Do you think people would like watching this? Okay. So I've long thought that some kind of format like this would be entertaining and ISL kind of goes halfway there, but they don't really make anybody do it. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised he didn't throw diving in there because I think that, that fits better with the the dick with the true athletics. That would be a disaster. I think I someone know. in the comments threw diving in. I, <laughs> or no, I, he I, did I, at the I, end, I, right? I, he did at the end. Yeah. 
I swam with a girl in high school who dove and swam <laughs> at the D2 level. And she's, as far as <clears throat> we know, she's the only um, woman to qualify for the Texas high school state championship in both swimming and diving. Wow. So it can be wow. done. You know, athletes are athletes. <laughs> athletes going to athlete. Um, it is physically possible. Yeah. I mean, the best, <laughs> the best decathletes aren't long jumping 27 feet. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think people would, I don't know if people would pay to watch it. I think people would watch it as a novelty. Like people enjoyed duel in the pool. I think people with, this has like been a, a recurring theme on this podcast. I feel like, um, will people watch novelty events? And the answer seems to be yes over and over again. I, again, paying for it and watching it for free are two different things, but people seem to be excited about these sorts of things. You'd have to, you know, if we really got into the weeds, we could have Barry on and you'd have to be careful with how you mathed it because if you just add the times, the, the distance freestylers would win everything. But that's, I, I disagree because I, like, I feel like, okay, the, the, the idea is, is a novelty, but you're still talking about like 20 races basically to get to like the final score and the average like swim fan who's not like, who's more of a spectator than like an actual swimmer is not going to stay around to the end and be like, Oh, you know, they won 10 no, events. Right. And, no, cause in track and field, I mean, honestly, people watch like the hundred and the 400 and people don't watch the pentathlon. I mean, honestly, people don't. So they're not going to stick around and be like, oh, you know, we have another 450s or another 5200s or whatever. And you know what people would do? They would log on to Swim Slam, read about it, and argue about it. But that's not the, that's not your your would-be mass swim fan. Those are Correct. swim nerds. Those are <laughs> swim swim yeah. junkies. Correct. Yeah, I mean, a decathlon is not going to. You're right. A decathlon is not going to make the sport a spectator sport. I think it could, I think it could engage the existing audience at a deeper level. It could, it could. Yeah. But it's definitely not going to broaden it. (laughs) Because, because so much of the swim audience is taking kids from practice, having them come on swim slam and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else, seeing what the pros do and then going back to practice and trying to replicate it. Like that is, Mm That is a huge chunk of the swim fan audience. Um, so, you know, I think I think that provides some value from these kind of fluky novelty things. It, it gives coaches a way to engage their athletes differently. Yeah. A lot of teams went back and did pentathlons. Um, Indy sent me one. They had a kid go go really fast in a pentathlon. I forget what he what his time was, but yeah. Uh when I was just at Orange and White, Eddie said he a couple of texas recruits like did it as well and sent him their scores right according to the eddie reese math or or rating system um so it's i mean it seemed like it engaged people and i think a pentathlon like this would engage the same sort of audience that seems like a good consensus i like i like these pentathlons cal always kicks off their season with a competitive pentathlon it's against cal poly Mm-hmm. Um, I like it as a season kickoff because you're still at the point of the year where the coaches haven't fine tuned anything. It's all just kind of about effort and focus and whatever. And people puking. You're going to have people puking in buckets on the deck. <laughs> I would I would pay money to see like a Cal versus Texas pentathlon. Yeah, that'd be um, great. In, just, fi- you know, in 50s and 200s. That makes me think just thinking about um, it. <laughs> but like the classic five five 100s a 100 of each stroke Cal versus Arizona state. That's a, that seems like a realistic pentathlon to set up geographically. Um, Arizona state went 
Ham and their pentathlon last week, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Charlie Brown, can we can we talk briefly about Charlie Brown? Raise your hand if you knew the name Charlie Brown as a swimmer before last weekend. And she was there's faster. an English swimmer. There's an English swimmer named Charlie Brown who's a boy. So yes, I have heard of a Charlie. <laughs> okay, Brown. but you haven't heard about Arizona State's Charlie Brown. No, she, I have not. He was faster than Izzy Ivy in the pentathlon. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that had really? we uh, had we waited a few days, she would have been on our top five to watch. I think. Mm. Dang, that's too wild. Too late. Um, Cal also does a. Cal and Stanford have a triple distance meet every November where they do 50, 100, 200 of each stroke. And that then feels antiquated to me. 100, 200, 400. Do they do? And then they have like a distance thing. Yeah. And then like a, maybe they have an IM one, but I can't remember. Yeah, they do. Um, that feels antiquated to me because it's, that's not how swimmers swim anymore. Like the, the best hundred butterflyers are all hundred backstrokers. The best, very few of the, the top hundred butterflyers are 200 butterflyers. I don't know about very few, but like it's, that, that doesn't, I think that doesn't recognize the shift in uh, swimming that we've seen in the last decade. It's probably I, something that Skip Kennedy started in the seventies <laughs> and everybody was afraid to stop doing it. I do. I, I agree with that, but I do like it as a novelty meat format. Yeah. It's fun to watch the sprinters die, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that sort of thing. And the 200ers try to sprint. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving. Move, now we're moving away from college swimming. WADA did nothing about their uh, rules regarding marijuana and testing positive for it, getting bans for testing positive for it. Do you agree with this that WADA should should keep marijuana on the list of subs of banned substances? Agree is such a loaded word. Uh, you know, everybody on this podcast is an American, and I don't think we need to really explain to our audience the changing attitude in the United States since Michael Phelps's bong incident in 2008 on marijuana. Like that would not even register on anybody's radar uh, in 2022. So, you know, do I think there needs to be reform to these rules? Yes. I, I really liked what USADA President uh, Travis Tiger told us this week, which was basically as long as it's not done intentionally to gain an advantage and as long as it doesn't impact the safety of the competition, which is relevant in some sports, um, you don't want your cyclers out there smoking pot before they ride because uh, it impairs your reactions and that can create dangerous situations in some sports. So, you know, short of those two things, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be an issue. On the other hand, I understand that WADA is a global organization and in most of the world, it is still illegal. Uh, I think, I think until more of the world has legalized it and changed its general attitude, I understand why, you know, when you read the press release, WADA sort of feels like they're, they're pro banning marijuana, like the way they, what they've included in the press release and what they haven't included in the press release. They talk about that. They talk to experts, right. But they didn't tell us what the experts said. Um, and, and it just feels like their sort of personal opinions might be anti-marijuana, but I think until the world's attitude has shifted more, 
you they're they're in a tough place. You know, I I understand why they they have banned it. Um, I would like to see them raise the threshold again to where it's more akin to did you smoke pot in the car on the way over or did you smoke pot three days ago? Like, you know, what's what's the threshold where you're no longer high and and figure out what that threshold is and set the threshold there. Um, and again, you you have to do it sport by sport. Right. Cycling has to have a different a different rule than swimming does. Um but that's that's kind of my take on it. I am not a marijuana smoker. I am sort of pro legalization, but I am not a user myself. I think it smells terrible. But um, Watt is in a tough place. I, I I understand why they do what they do. Well, the what we had written that Watt had said is that it has the potential to enhance sports performance. So, you know, if, if you're talking about raising the threshold or whatever, I mean, then it probably negates any sort of remote possible sports advantage, performance advantage. Um, but they did point to that. Okay. So that, so, that. So can I tell you a funny story about this? Uh, <laughs> everybody in the comments, everybody's response to anybody being banned for marijuana is, oh, have you ever tried to play sports while high marijuana is not performance enhancing which first of all we have to be clear wada is correct that they do have a three-part sort of standard for what they ban and two of those parts are not performance related and all of the countries in the world have signed off on and agreed to that so let's make that clear but it's funny because when when this first the first time in swim swim history when this was an issue i reached out to some internationally renowned marijuana expert um and he was he was definitely an advocate but he was an expert and he was so eager to speak well of marijuana my question was pretty kind of simple it was do you believe that marijuana can be a performance enhancing for sport and he said absolutely i believe it can and it was because he was like so strongly in advocacy, you know, you're thinking this is 2012, 2013, where you're still fighting to convince people of, of that it's okay to smoke pot. Um, and he was just so gung-ho about it that he just declaratively stated, yes, it can performance enhance, <laughs> not sort of not sort of piecing together that in the context of the story we were writing, that that was actually a bad look for marijuana or, or a, a strike against marijuana. Right. It was not moving marijuana forward. Right. And so <laughs> ever since everybody's been trying to argue that it's not a performance enhancer, but you know, that this is how conversations around marijuana go, right? Like they're right, very right. advocacy driven. There's yeah. not a lot of pure science driven conversation it's it's very you it's it's become like everything else right it's so polarized people just like will will only take the stand on the side that they're willing to take a stand on um so it's well the other the, the other you said that it was like the tripod or whatever of like the of what gets something banned and the other one was that i don't i forget what the second one or, or the third but one of them is that it violates the spirit of the sport and i just think that's i know i was like could you be any more ambiguous like that's just their yeah. catch-all category you know to be able to throw anything that they don't want yeah. Yeah. that just says that the wada executive committee can break any ties right yes yes but i would i would assume a lot of people would kind of bond 
Over. What about like what about like surfing? Are we saying marijuana <laughs> is not within the spirit of the sport and surfing <laughs> exactly. or swimming or break dancing? I refuse to believe that that's true. Exactly. So so. My question is that how do you tell if marijuana was used for enhancement reasons versus recreational reasons? Like well, how if you tested positive for marijuana, how could you tell? that someone was trying to intentionally use it to enhance their performance. Remember that that the positive test is not the only way that WADA can ban things. Lance Armstrong, or ban people. Lance Armstrong never tested positive, but he is banned. So they, you know, if they find, if you test positive and, and they find communications between you and somebody else saying, hey, I'm gonna use this uh, for performance enhancement, I think that's probably pretty rare um for that to happen but you know they they have other ways to do it um it's again it's it's like a lot of this the the press release it's just kind of nonsense um you know i i think in swimming we're i think there's currently two big problems and one is that they can strip results if you test positive positive for marijuana so like shikari richardson she was eligible. Her suspension was over by the time the Olympics came. But because her result from the U.S. Olympic trials didn't count, uh, she didn't qualify for the team. So on a national level, you could actually skirt around this. It's, it's a little harder in the United States because of the way the laws are written here about sports. But you could skirt around this and basically give your uh, national governing body, the ability to hold a time trial for anybody who gets one of these marijuana suspensions and is stripped of their results, you can offer them like a time trial to re-earn their spot on the team um, or, or have some basically something beyond results, some other way to select them to the team, which again is hard in the United States. But we see, for example, British Swimming does that. They They leave room to just choose people to the team that they believe should be on the team. Um, so that's kind of a, a hack. We're a little sensitive to this in swimming because a marijuana suspension can get you disqualified from the ISL. You know, most of the marijuana suspensions these days are a month long, which in the scheme of professional sports is not a huge deal, yeah. Yeah. but it depends on when that month is, but that can still disqualify you from the ISL. I would bet that the ISL with their new partners and new managers and all that stuff will review that policy a little bit. Um, but that's kind of a wrinkle for swimming, I think. But then that kind of opens, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but that kind of opens the doors, I would assume, for other people who had tested positive or did we ever decide if whereabouts violations like negate you from being in the ISL? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then there's going to be all these people that are going to come up with specific scenarios that'll have to be dealt with, you know, just if, if you kind of make, yeah. make, you know, concessions for, for, you know, marijuana use in particular. Right. Hmm. Those are good points. Points we may never have to address again, <laughs> but hopefully we do. <laughs> You're usually the toxic positive one, right? And <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's, let's be real about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to the ISL, they've, yeah, they've used up <laughs> Coleman's. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we can talk about the ISL's weird step cousin, the World Cup, 
<laughs> which uh, is coming back, albeit in a shortened version. We got three stops starting next month in Berlin. Mm-hmm. We have a list of confirmed athletes, including Kyle Chalmers, Matthew Sates, Kylie Moss, Thomas Chacon, the Hanson sisters, Louise and Sophie, Siobhan Howie, Maddie Wilson, Chad Leclo, and Kira Toussaint. Who are you most excited to see at this World Cup series? Can we start a GoFundMe to um, pay Katie Ledecky to go to this World Cup and break all the <laughs> records? Please. That's what I'm going to see. Um, I think I, I think the answer's got to be Thomas Chacon. Um, you know, he had his world record breakout last summer, and this will be sort of his follow-on Um and I don't think I really need to explain it any more than that. I like Thomas Chacon. He's who I'm most excited about. A lot of these names we've seen at the World Cup before, so we kind of have expectations about what they're going to do. So I'm going with Siobhan Hawley. Um, I'm excited because the first competition after the Short Course World Championships in December was just this past August in Hong Kong when she did the Long Course Open Championships there. And she ripped a 400 free uh, uh, Hong Kong record, national record. Uh, what was she there? 4086, 156, four. These are long course times, two free. And then she also did pretty, I think it was a 53 high and 100 free. But bottom line, it's going to be her first, you know, major meet basically since out- outside of Hong Kong, that is since the world course um, short championships, sh- short course world championships in December. And she had the injury last year, pulled out of worlds. So I'm just excited to see her bounce back. And she's very competitive, very competitive in short course meters. She holds, what does she hold? One of the world records, she won her free world record. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, without ISL, we don't get to see a lot of these people on displays. <clears throat> and Siobhan's one, certainly one who was just wrecking it in the ISL. So I'm excited to see her. I got to go with the classics. Braden mentioned we'd seen all these before. We have, but Kyle Chalmers set the 100 free world record last year in the World Cup. He really got into his race, racing rhythm, which I'm excited to see if he can do that again, especially just over three stops, <clears throat> two of which are in North America, which hasn't happened in quite some time. Swim Swam will be at both of those stops. Excited awesome. for that. And then Matthew Sates. I mean, come on. He's a pro now. As the commenters like to say, he is speed running a swimming career. He's already done pretty much everything you can do at a World Cup, but South Africans have a rich tradition of dominating at World Clubs, Cups. Uh, Chad Leclo, Cameron Vanderberg. <laughs> what? I was just jinx, owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, but don't you feel like what once bitten twice shy with Matt Sates? He was great at the World Cup. He was great at NCAA's. His summer was not great. Like I'm, I'm ready to see Matt Sates in long course do what he seems like he should be able to do. I'm, I'm well, not that excited to see him just wreck the World Cup again. I'm ready for that too, but obviously he's really good at short course swimming. <laughs> Uh, with the World Cup success, with the NCAA success. So like if, and he's still very young. So like if he's still improving, if he goes best times, he's getting close to world records in some of those events. And I'm always pro world records. 
And I think it means a little bit more because the short course world championships are in December. So I think, you know, they're only at that time going to be a couple months away. And for once, we're actually going to have an Australian team there because they're in Melbourne. So we'll actually get, you know, Chalmers will actually and kind of be looking to stake his claim. Yeah. Maybe yeah, Caleb yeah, yeah. Dressel's comeback meet maybe, based on Rowdy's maybe. timeline. <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't know. Not. I don't know. We talk about pressure. Low, you know, it's a good low pressure way to get back into it. Dude, that that's like the the least Caleb Dressel thing. Caleb Dressel do. or ISL? Caleb Dressel has done short course worlds, hasn't he? One time. What? Yeah. Okay. In two thousand. Well, yeah, but he don't, probably only qualified twice. What? I thought you did qualified by being on the long course national team. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah, he was probably. on the Olympic team. <laughs> okay, but he was swimming for Greg Troy then. Greg Troy doesn't believe in swimming. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I don't think we're going to see it in uh, in Melbourne. I don't think we're going to have a Dressel sighting there. Melbourne. But I can hope. something we don't know? Nope. <laughs> I was informed today that I'm not going to that swim meet. So <laughs> that's that's all I know for sure. That's because Fina doesn't let us do interviews. At this Come on, Fina. Yeah, <clears throat> it's bad. And on that note, it's time to play our favorite game on the Swim Swim Breakdown. Sink or swim? First up today on Sink or Swim, Sarah Shostrom said to someone that she wants to swim at the 2028 Olympic Games. Sink or swim, that's going to happen. Swim. She's an Olympic superstar in a country without a lot of summer Olympic superstars. So she'll continue to be paid as long as she needs to be paid by her sponsors to swim. And who's going to bump her off? Um, you remember that Swedish swimmers swim forever. God, say that 10 times fast. Swedish, <laughs> Swedish swimmers swim forever. I, I, I cannot. Um, Teresa Alshimer <clears throat> was swimming until she was like 37 and then retired and then came back at 40 something. Um, so I, I think she absolutely will. I think like Teresa Alshimer, she'll probably settle into some kind of role where she does 50 free 50 fly at the world championships, um, 50 free and relays at the Olympic games. You know, she's not going to have like a big schedule. I wouldn't think by that age, but Sweden's never going to be deep enough to keep Sarah Schoestrom off their Olympic team. Yeah. I think it's an easy swim. I think at the very least it'll be 50 free. That's what I pegged her for. So she, you can swim that forever, you know? <laughs> so. How old was Lars Frölander when he retired? Ooh. He yeah. Was, he, I mean, he swam at the Olympics at 38. Nice. Uh, That's yeah. not I, what I was doing at 38. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing at 38, Loretta? <laughs> That's the next podcast. <laughs> save that for Liddy. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh yeah easy swim i was gonna bring up therese Braden stole it um swedish swimmers do this they swim forever they're to be fair those are all those are all cryogenically frozen naturally it's a good point yeah but sarah shostrom is a superstar there's no reason why she would not be swimming there unless she didn't want to and she said she did so 50 free Los Angeles, here we come. <laughs> Next up, 
Uh, Yuri Kissel, who someone in the comments thought may have retired, did not. He did switch training bases. He's now back home in Calgary. Uh, he was in Toronto before that. So with him not being retired, hopefully swimming until Paris, do you sink or swim? The Canadian men will win a bronze, will win a medal in the men's <laughs> 400 free relay. Sink. I mean, who's there for <clears throat> Coleman? This is yeah. such a bad question. Seriously? Name there for Josh, Yuri, Javi, who split 47 this summer. And I know they have a fourth. They had a pretty solid foreigner free relay this summer. I heard a rumor that Javi was trying to train at, I think, Florida too. Which would Is Javi like the G A Z I V? Who's Acevedo. that guy? Acevedo. Acevedo. Uh, and, and Ruslan. Ruslan yeah, is their fourth. It's that guy. Ruslan. He, Ohio State. So he split, yeah, he split 48 mid at split 48 0. Well, okay, sorry. He was 48 he was 48 mid from a flat start. So Okay, yeah, but go. look at the look at what meddled in Tokyo. No, no, no. That I'm not sink or swim, Braden. Sink. <laughs> um, I thought I made that clear Tokyo. that I was <laughs> you did. Matt, okay. the, the medal relay is 480, 375, 481, 46, 4. Yes. Is mm -hmm. Josh Leando going to go 46, 4? I have faith. Is, and, that, and that was with Hayden is, at 47, 9. Is Yuri Pistol going to go 47-1 again at 29 years old? Yeah. Is it's two years go later. Who's or I guess three years fourth? later. Is Marcus Thormeyer going to continue swimming after he finishes his PhD? He's not on it. Who's the fourth? It's Ruslan, Josh, Yuri, and Javi. What's Javi going to go? What's Javier's best time? He split 47 this summer. He split 47-9. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm still sinking it. I think I think right. Italy has a young team with just as much potential. Um, I think you guys have made a better case than I thought you would, but I think uh, I'm sinking it too. No, I'm sinking it too. I was just helping you out with the guy I'd never heard of, the Ruslan guy. I, I had to look him up. I, I'd never heard of that guy. He was 48 mm -hmm. mid, plus start. So yeah. that's something. But yeah. I was sinking it because. They're, they were 0.6 away from the bronze, and they're not really going to get any better, and Australia is going to get better because now they have Flynn Southam, who's aging nicely in terms of the Paris Olympics, and he's he's probably going to be at least 47 high at the very least as a split. And they're not going to jump Italy. Right, exactly. The Americans in Italy are going to be right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's U.S., Italy, Australia, and then maybe Canada fourth, maybe not. I'm still hoping Japan eventually will live up to its sprint potential. <laughs> Keep dreaming. I know. I know. 4am relay, 200 breaststroke relay. They are all over it. Yeah. I know. Free relay. I don't know. That'd be rough. Uh, all right. I'm swimming it. I think Josh Leando's the truth. I think he is wow. going to drag those three guys, uh, whoever those three end up being. <laughs> up with him. I think Ruslan's on the rise. I think Yuri can maintain. I'm not totally sold on Javi, but I think in the next two years, 
someone will be there. Uh, Kyle has been doing it for a long time. He's had a lot of surgeries. I don't think he's going to slow down, but for, does he have another 46-4 in two years? That does know. mean you think he's going to slow down, right? By <laughs> I know you don't want to say it out loud, Coleman, but it does sound like that's what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I'm saying that uh, in that relay, he's, he's going to slow down. How old is he? 23? Yeah, he's not that old. Yeah, he's 20. He'll be 26. He was 18 in Rio, yep. and eight years later, he'd be 26. Math. that's why we keep you around (laughs) all right next up uh michael phelps in an interview with nbc said that he thinks the 400 im and the 200 free world records can be broken by leanne marchand and david popovich respectively which one do you think will go down first for im or 200 free i think both will go down i think Leon is going to get the 400 IM first. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have a lot of like kind of mediocre reasons for why I feel this way. I think Bob Bowman has more experience sort of carrying a swimmer from a height to another height um, than, than David's coach does. I think um, Leon, Leon uh, feels a little bit more like he's got this like, calm energy to where he's just going to keep trudging forward. Leon has not like had his peak yet. Right. David broke a world record this summer. And I think after breaking a world record, there can be a a comeback to reality. And, you know, you can, I, you can almost run the risk of trying too hard to improve upon a world record. And I think that could, that's going to be something they're going to have to learn. um, Maybe make a mistake and learn from, and then kind of, do, 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 and go back to the top. Um, so I think I think Leon is going to do it. I think he's going to have the support and momentum with uh, Paris 2024 coming ahead. I think he's closer to his prime. I can think of a lot of mediocre reasons that in totality, I am going to vote the Frenchman. I'm swimming it as well, but I, I, I'm clarifying it that I do agree that it's going to be the 400 AM first. I mean, Marchand's only, mm-hmm. what, half a second away from the world record. When he was Swimming it, I like literally my jaw just was on the floor the entire time he was swimming that race. I couldn't believe he was getting that close to the record. And then also Popovich, the 200 free, he's like, what, 0.97, I think it is, away from Biederman's world record. So percentage-wise, Marshawn's closer. You know, there's a smaller percentage he has to kind of make to get the 400 IM world record. I also think it will be the 400 IM. Uh, That 200 free record has just been so untouchable. As has the 400 IM, I guess, but people have kind of gotten close to it, and Leon got really close to it. Popovich broke some huge barriers this summer, but I think he's got a ways to go until that 200 free goes down. So, yeah, I'm going with Leon as well. Fina axed the 25K open water uh, from World Championships, which I saw that some people were upset about. I can't say I was one of those people. Uh, but you know, if people want to do it, then I don't know why stop it. Uh, do you, do you agree with this decision on Fina's part? Do you want to see the 25 K gone? Uh, 
Can we rephrase that question so I don't have to say <laughs> yes? I want to see the 25K gone. Uh, I think open water needs to go back to having its own championship where they can do what they want. They can have three different versions of the relay. They can do all the distances they want. They can do an open water 1K sprint. Um, do it in the Southern Hemisphere in December, in, in, you know, instead of this whole short course worlds mashup that we did last year, which was silly. Um, you know, I, I think there's a place in sport for people who have a desire to test their speed over a 25 kilometer swim, but it's not that it's pure sport, right? The 25 K has no spectator value, has no commercial value. I know why Fina did it. And if we're all going to sit here and, scream into the wind about how we want the sport to be better commercialized, then we have to accept decisions like this. So continue to have a 25K world championship. Just do it on your own time. Do your own thing. You know? <laughs> Just go I, out I, in the ocean and swim a 25K yourself. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do. They do like the channel swims and all this. And I think that's kind of where Braden's going with it. I mean, I, I totally agree. And, and especially because we saw the, in our article, you know, the, the actual participants, at least for the women were going down. So it's not like there's like 50,000 people who are wanting to swim this anyway. So in terms of the participants, it was actually low. It was like 15, I think was one year. And that's and for a world championships, that's not that many. So I, I'm was in the comments, uh, swimming this topic to get rid of the 25k. Okay. Well, I'm swimming. I think it, I think it was, an okay decision by FINA. And I don't think anyone should take it personally as a slam against open water swimmers. Well, and we it, saw at the European championships that there can be challenges trying to get all three races in within the context of a championship. True. They right. out of time. Right. Um, that was ugly. We've, we've been lucky at most of the major international meets that the weather has been decent enough, but um, yeah, that's a good consideration. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it, I feel like they should, it should be treated as a different sport. Um, we just saw junior open water world championships go off in Seychelles, Africa. And that was cool. You know, it was like a three day event. Kids swam different events. We covered it pretty well. And like, it was fun to watch as, you know, from home as just a, as a common but fan, you know, to watch or was it fun because the winners were pool swimmers? Um, novelty for them back to our novelty conversation <laughs> probably that yeah. however if 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 there was an open water season you know if there was like a world cup that led to this open water right. chain i i know there's a world cup but it doesn't lead to the championships right it does <laughs> its own separate it thing does though. It. like nobody does the open water world cup or very few swim, very few of the elite swimmers do the whole thing. Okay, well then, yeah, get rid of it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where I am a firm believer that all sports need to exist in some form, but not every sport needs to be at the top of the pyramid. I tell people this in pickleball all the time. Everybody in pickleball wants pickleball at the Olympics, and I look at them and say, "Why? Like, what? What?" <laughs> Because then you, you know, you think you get Olympic credibility by being an amateur pickleball player, like you don't. Um, 
I just, every sport does not need to be at the top of the pile. Although I think the 10K is a nice addition to the Olympics. Um, but I don't know. Not not everything that can be done has to be done. Does, at the World yeah, Champions. that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I can, I, I agree with that one as well. Last up, uh, we saw, we're ending with Canada's Josh Leando again. <laughs> he swam in 1960. He swam in 196 <laughs> and his first, he's the truth. That's my stance on it. 19650 free first ever yard swim and a dual meet. Uh, we saw Mr. Jordan Crooks of Tennessee go 189 ish, more like 191, maybe and a 50 free at the end of practice to you, which one is a bigger deal? I th- I think Crooks is a bigger deal because that's a fast practice swim any time of year, especially this time of year. And as much hype as he got for his freshman season, I still don't think it was enough for where his ceiling seems to be. I, I hate to say this, but I thought Josh Lando was going to be faster. I know it's meet one. I know it's his first time racing in yards. I know it's Florida training where they, have their sprinters do 9,000 meters a day. But I just, I don't know. I thought, you know, I thought he was that kind of talent that could just pop off like a 19-3 just because. Um, so I was a little disappointed by that. But I think there's I think there's plenty of explanations for why he was 19-6. They probably had him lifting in between races just to make <laughs> sure he didn't go too fast. Um, so I think Crooks is a bigger deal. Because that, you know, if anything else, that says that Leando, this is not Leando's race to lose necessarily. We talk about Brooks Curry because he won the 500 free. Um, but Jordan Crooks is on a huge upswing. So to me, that's what makes it a bigger deal. Yeah, I'm going with Leando. I, I love it when international swimmers go to yards because I, it's like an experiment. You want to see exactly how it translates. And this is his first, not even test, just first swim. So I think, I think 96 is totally great. I mean, if that's my baseline, I'm pretty happy with that at this point in the year. Totally. I mean, Brooks Curry in October last year was 19.5. Huh? 19.6 isn't what it used to be. Well, I'm not saying he's not going to stay there. It's just literally, okay. I just scratched the surface. Here's the little tip of the iceberg. And then he's going to just sledgehammer it. Josh Leando wore a practice suit. Did Jordan Krebs? Sorry, that's what I mean. Jordan Kirk's work. Oh. Um, sorry, I'm watching Jordan Kirk's video. Are you, you know, hand timing it? Because you're just like shoulder. gave him like a two tenth leeway, two ten, three tenth leeway there. He has so much shoulder mobility. It looks like he's swimming backstroke. Oh geez. Like his straight arm freestyle is so over the top that it looks like he's swimming backstroke. That's wild. Um, Dang. Cool. Uh, I'm going with Jordan Crooks as well. I think uh, 19-1 is legit. I think 19-6 is a really good time. It isn't what it used to be, but it's still, for a dual meet, that's super fast. That's a great benchmark for Leendo. But going 19-1 in practice is like uh, a superstar superstar kind of swim. In a dual meet is good. How can 19-1 in practice not be better? Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm given. I'm. I'm just given the the stopwatch leeway, and then I'm just going with the international swimmer. <laughs> yeah, we know. 
know. Loretta hates America. I do not. Wait, hold on. Jordan Crooks is also an international. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very. <laughs> is he? I don't know. Where's he from? I don't. I really don't know this kid. Good Islands. Inform me. Yeah. There we go. But his well, sister goes to high school in Alaska. So okay. So, so I think she did, but now she's in yeah. Florida. Right. Okay. <clears throat> with the bigger international country (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's our news for the week tune in every week to the swim swim breakdown for your week's news and swimming